Hello and welcome to the Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Rupert McConnick, founder and EP at Seville Productions. I'm delighted today to have as a guest Des Marzette, ECD at TBWA Shire Day, LA. Welcome, Des. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Rupert. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. It was great to have you on. So just jumping in, can you tell us a little bit about your background and career before uh, TBWA Shire Day? Sure. I'll, I'll try to keep it short. I've been in the game about 20 years now, so lots of experience. But it all began, I'd say, as a kid who fell in love with Spike and Mike commercials. That was when I fell in love with advertising, followed that love through college, studied marketing uh, at UC Berkeley, eventually graduated and started my marketing career at a company that you may remember called American Greetings. You remember them? They used to make greeting cards and they were transitioning into becoming a digital company. And that's when I began my actual professional career in marketing and in creative. That soon turned into some really fun opportunities with Def Jam Mobile and Univision went out and licensed those uh, brands to create mobile content before the iPhone. So again, kind of showing a little bit of my age, but, you know, always being connected to culture and technology and marketing pushed me to eventually have some time at Wyden and Kennedy, Zambezi Advertising in Venice, California, uh, and a couple of stints at CAA in Los Angeles. And now, uh, as you mentioned, I'm at TBWA Los Angeles as an ECD of our lifestyle and sports group. Wonderful. So just jumping in, do you think that uh, brand purpose is important? Yeah, uh, brand purpose is is imperative, Uh, a clear brand purpose. Absolutely. Um, To every type of business in every industry, I would say it is uh, absolutely imperative that a company understands their purpose and, and the reason they exist, for sure. And how do you communicate brand purpose with consumers without purpose washing? Well, I guess I'll make a distinction here. So, Rupert, it, when you're talking about purpose, you're talking about social purpose, social impact, values as it relates to consumers' lifestyles and, and, and that sort of thing. And the way to communicate that best, I would say, is to be as authentic as your industry allows for you to be in relationship to your consumers. So there are instances where it may be uncalled for for a brand to inject themselves in in topics of political or social uh, importance. And we've seen some brands have negative impact because it wasn't authentic to their brand. They hadn't shown any concern around that topic until it seemed trendy to do so. And in those instances, I think we've seen quite a bit of that during the racial reckoning of a few years ago that's still happening today. Um, We're seeing a lot of promises that were maybe not fulfilled uh, a few years later. So I I think there are ways in which brands can communicate it. But if it's not authentic, it will absolutely come back and bite you in the ass. And that's the key. It's authenticity. I love the phrase racial reckoning. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was the hope, at least. You know, I think that I think it sums it up very succinctly. I think it's actually a good phrase. So um, what's your POV on the ad industry from a cultural, artistic, and purpose perspective? My point of view 
on advertising from a purpose perspective is uh, what drives my career, if I'm honest. I happen to believe that in addition to all of the wonderful creative elements of the advertising space that I love, you know, I love that it's short film. I love that it's engaging with people where they are. I love that you're seeing some of the best examples of creativity and media through advertising. But what drives me really is that I believe advertising has the ability to impact change and to change the way people think about the world, about themselves, and about their place in the world. I, I happen to believe that, that advertising has a huge role to play in public conversations around topics of, of purpose, um, so much so that it drives my career. Uh, I've been lucky enough, I believe, to work with brands who have a desire to impact positively the conversations of the greater mass in their DNA. You know, I've worked at Nike, who obviously are here to sell products, but to also affect the world in, in positive ways. Same extends to the Jordan brand, Apple. You know, th these are brands that find advertising to be important to the bottom line of their business, but also understand it to be very important to shaping a better world that we're in. And, and I get excited when whenever we get to work with brands that have that as a as an objective. So Des, I, I do like the phrase prop, uh, positive propaganda. What, what inspired you? <laughs> what was the inspiration for positive propaganda? The phrase was something that, that really crystallized at my time at uh, Zambezi, which is an ad agency that was owned by Kobe Bryant uh, for a brief amount of time. And while I was there, he and I were able to have conversations from time to time. And it seemed like a pretty consistent thread in those conversations was like the impact of the work that we're doing. Yeah. Is it selling stuff? Of course. But are we hearing about the work out in the world? Are we hearing about young people or even kids reacting to the work? You know, that was a measuring, uh, a measuring stick that Kobe had always had with the advertising that came out of Zambezi. Um, and even, you know, I've, I've found that over the years, athletes have begun to have purpose be a foundational strand of their brand DNA. Um, some of the athletes I've had very close work with over the past 20 years, all of them have very major purpose-inspired uh, efforts, whether that's LeBron James and his school in, in Cleveland whether that's D. Wade and his support of the LBGTQ community and, and his daughter, or whether that's uh, CP3, Chris Paul, and his uh, uh, work with the Players Association um, in the NBA and making sure that they have all of their rights when it comes to, you know, negotiating and things of that nature. So I, I feel like we're starting to witness. I've been right at the center of witnessing purpose becoming a very pivotal part of the identity of the biggest stars, um, particularly here in the States in sports. Well, we've all got to have a purpose, right? <laughs> Brand, human, Yeah, but the marketing of it now is becoming more important. You know, the sharing of that purpose is becoming more important. And I, I have to say, it. I'm encouraged because what I'm seeing in these young athletes is that it is authentic, going right back to how we started this conversation. You know, it needs to be an authentic concern around these topics that drives your behavior. And so, you know, no one would ever question if LeBron really cares about education, you know, or no one would ever question if D. Wade really cares about 
gay rights because they're living it and they're sharing it. Right. And so I think we're entering a new age where we have already heard that consumers want to know what brands care about. But we're, you know, we're now in a place where even as individuals, you need to kind of share what you care about in order to kind of build a following. I love it. So, so when have you seen a brand, you know, um, I don't really like the word risk. So I'm going to rephrase this because I don't think it's a risk. When have you seen a brand, you know, innovate and it really pay off? In, in this space of, of purpose? Yeah, just in general. You know, it could be, well, like you said, purpose is the purpose of the, why the brand exists. So it's pretty broad. It doesn't have to be, you know, philanthropy or ESG. It's, it can be when a brand chooses to innovate in a particular way and it really pays off. You know, I don't know, you, know you see examples like Dove, you know, innovative in their approach and so on. So it could be anything. You know, I'm I'll, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep the theme going, you know, the, the things that inspired me and I think still serve as examples of risk that changed the world. Um, let's keep it on Spike and Mike for a minute. I'll, I'll bring another contemporary example in a bit. But even as a youngster, I understood, wait a minute, this company is putting a black man as the face of their company. And again, sports marketing looks different back then, you know, and you had amazing athletes, many of which were white as the face of these athletic brands. And here comes Phil Knight, you know, to say, hey, we're going to do something a little different. Not only we're going to put a black man as the face of the company, but we're going to tell everybody that he's the best in the world. And through that work and through the innovation of that work, through the creativity of that work, they created an icon one of the first sports icons that we really had through a marketing lens. So seeing, I saw that as a risk, even as a youngster. And I understood that, wow, this is a company that is believing in their athletes, believing in the talent that they're bringing in-house and showing support, regardless of what the world may think at the time. And obviously we, we see how that turned out. Michael Jordan being, you know, uh, probably the biggest success story in, in sports to date. We can keep it on Nike. You know, uh, when they embraced Colin Kaepernick and during the, the discussion around the kneel and that just do it spot where they had him front and center um, expressing a message of, of, of uh, progressiveness in sports. I thought that was amazing. I was at Nike at the time, part of conversations that discussed the risk. And I feel proud to have been part of an organization that embraced the risk because they knew it was the right thing. They knew that it would hit and impact a, um, I may not say significant portion of, of their client consumer base, but they knew that there would be an impact there. They knew there would be a hit and they did it anyway. And I think that gave me even more confidence to work with other brands to say, hey, sometimes the right move may not show up on the bottom line immediately, but if we look at Nike, they took a little bit of a hit and then they skyrocketed back up because they understood that their younger audiences were right in line with the progressive thinking that they were supporting. So, you know, I, I think Nike is, is continues to be a great example of showing that risk when assessed the right way can actually be well worth it. Yeah. And that's a good example because they read their audience really well because mm-hmm. there were a few people burning shoes, but it wasn't really that much. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
Yeah, the internet is not a real place, you know, and sometimes, the, you know, the, like that that Colin Kaepernick moment reminded me, like, the internet's not a real place. You may see a little bit of disruption here or there, but, you know, if you have a firm understanding beyond the internet's representation of your audience, you get a different set of data, and, and sometimes the risk is not listening to the misinformation that you might be getting fed online. It's very perceptive because... I tell everyone, don't get your news off Facebook. <laughs> oh man, maybe one of the maybe one of the worst places to get it. <laughs> get it off like Reuters or something like that. Get something like international news, which doesn't, which is not polarized. All the news in America is polarized. So that's from both sides. You know, yeah. it's become like entertainment. It's not real. It's reality shows. CN, CNN, frankly, is bad as fault. So tell us about a recent TBWA Shire Day campaign you're proud of. So I started at Shire Day in, in November. I'm, I'm um, you know, still in very much a honeymoon phase. Just so excited to work with such a legendary agency and, and to be in a, a leadership position there it is a dream come true. I'm from L.A., so to come back in L.A. in this position has been great. One of the things that really put me over the top in taking this, this role was the work that was launched right before I started which I saw as someone who didn't work on it. I saw it as a, as a consumer and it blew me away. This work was the Serena Williams retirement celebration. It's called uh, Love Means Everything. And again, it reminds me of the incredible work that Gatorade has done in the past. I mean, that Be Like Mike spot, for example, that we all know and, and love as a kid, it was great. I like to think of it now as uh, the sports marketing playbook first edition, right? Grab an athlete who is incredibly inspirational in what they do, elevate them in a way that puts them on a pedestal as a model to become, right? So be like Mike, quite literally told you, be Michael Jordan. <laughs> and I think, again, in the, in the 80s and 90s, that was great. You know, because you didn't have a ton of examples of individuals, successful individuals to model yourself after. But this Serena work, the love means everything, felt like a great example of how Gatorade has evolved with the times. Instead of a spot that's saying, hey, be like Serena. Instead, that spot was saying, be yourself. Love yourself. Love the body you're in. Love the skin you're in. Love the obstacles that are coming your way because they're going to make you stronger. And I love the way that we are now, I like to call it sports marketing playbook edition three, where we are taking examples of success through athletes and simply using them as the evidence that you can do the same, not their same, but you can do the same through the lens of what you want. And I thought that that spot did that in a very good way, very contemporary, uh, loved the casting in it, which, again, I'm all about representation. I'm all about seeing, you know, versions of yourself or your community that get you inspired. And that was the brief for that spot. So, you know, I saw that sitting on the couch and was like, oh, I cannot wait to get with that brand and start doing more work that is, you know, pushing even beyond inspiring athletes. It's inspiring anyone with goals. And that's also another thing, the evolution of different sports, right? I mean, you know, 20 years ago, you didn't have female boxers. Now that's just, that's mainstream. The last Olympics, I might be getting this wrong, apologies for, but, you know, surfing and skateboarding became a thing in the last Olympics. Now they've got break dancing, breaking, I think they're calling it. So, so that's, that's fascinating. Is that, 
How does Gatorade keep up with those those kind of moments? I mean, Gatorade is 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 inherently a part of sports and sports culture. So it doesn't have to strain itself too hard to be aware of what's going on in the sports world because it's right there. It's on the sidelines. It's in the water bottles. It's in um, the locker rooms, right? So the brand is is very well aware of, of what's happening in sports and what will happen in sports. Uh, one of the things we're focusing now is helping them gain that same sort of leadership in the world of sport culture. And, you know, the, the notion of progress through sport, Gatorship owns that, but we want to bring a little bit more relevance to our consumers through the lens of sport culture. And so being a little bit closer to the ground on, you know, how the kids are talking, you know, what they're saying to each other, what are the, the, the new trends, you know, that are happening? What are the new collaborations that can build buzz? You know, we want to bring the same leadership that the brand has had in the world of science and performance right over to the other half of the yin and yang, which is sport culture. And how does, how does TBWA Sharp balance short-term needs with long-term brand building? I and mean, we talked about Nike, which has always been kind of driven by long-term brand building. I mean, they're, they're obviously selling products, but, you know, it's always been a long, they've always had a long-term kind of goal, you know? Yeah, I mean, you you, you already hit it, Rupert. You know, we, we are looking at, each and every one of the clients we have in-house through a short-term and a long-term lens. And the short-term is pretty obvious. We've got campaigns and, and briefs that are coming every few months. And we, we ensure that we're resourced and, and, and uh, able to, to do the best work with those briefs. But some of the work that's just as important, and in some cases even more important, is our collaboration with these brands to develop platforms not just campaigns. We want to develop longstanding platforms that can live for years and years, right? So think different. It's not a campaign. That's a platform, right? That's something that, you know, that, that, you know, shot on iPhone. That's a platform, right? These are not campaigns. These are things that our agency really um, excels at. And in the case of Gatorade, you know, we already know the, the mission and the vision of that brand. And so, as we look at the world of sports start to evolve, you're looking at the world of, of sport athletes starting to evolve, the importance of sports um, changing in our consumers' lives. It's giving us an opportunity to sharpen and tighten our Gatorade platform. And so, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the long-term play because we want to ensure that the brand has a foundation and a scaffolding that can allow for them to feel confident for years at a time, not just a campaign at a time. What would be your advice for young professionals entering the, the advertising workforce? I'll give the, the, the first piece of advice, which never changes, which is always stay dumb and curious. Stay dumb and curious. What that means is, you know, and this is something I've, I've learned across my experience at, at big agencies, small agencies, the success comes when the arrogance takes a backseat to the curiosity. And there are a lot of brilliant, brilliant people in advertising. It, it, it is a sexy industry that draws the best thinkers around the world. But I find that sometimes that becomes an obstacle when we step into rooms or we attack a brief believing we know it all and believing we understand clearly what's at stake without trying to get a little smarter about it. So always coming in 
dumb and curious will lead to you getting educated uh, and being be getting a little bit smarter about your opportunity. So uh, that's one. And I think that can apply to every discipline within advertising from account to, to creative. And then the other part I would say is uh, don't let AI scare you. <laughs> that's, you know, a lot of people are uh, scared of AI. There's a concern that, uh, you know, jobs are in jeopardy or uh, that, you know, it's going to put a strain on the opportunities for roles in, in our industry. Uh, I feel the opposite. You know, I, I feel like it's a shiny new tool for us to implement and to find ways to evolve with the world and how quickly it's moving is going to lead to a successful uh, experience in, in the industry. So I'm, I'm excited thinking about ways that advertising is going to embrace the new technologies and tools that the internet is providing to us. But if you don't have a perspective of wanting to embrace those things as opposed to uh, run away from those things, then it, it may be a tough road for you in advertising in the future. And it's funny because you, you talked about propaganda before. And, it's, and I think, do you think advertising is going to be called advertising? You know, 20, 100 years ago, right, Edward Bernays, who's arguably the founder of uh, modern public relations, right? He was, worked in propaganda for, the, for America for World War World War One, and he said, well, "I'm just going to change the word <laughs> from propaganda to public relations." Do you think advertising? They're just going to change the word. Do you think there's going to be a different approach to it? Nah, no, I don't. I think advertising is is it's clearly here to stay. It's going to change forms. It's going to change you know media's that it lives on. Uh, the shape of it will change, but there will always be an opportunity to grab a consumer's attention with a little bit of bait. And that's what I think advertising is. It's dangling a little bit of bait right. <laughs> so that once they bite, you can pull them up and tell them what you want to tell them. And so I, you know, I, I don't think that's going to go anywhere. Uh, advertising and propaganda are certainly cousins, you know, like, <laughs> and, and again, you know, I, I, that's why I always make sure it's positive propaganda that I'm about. And I think that in the same way that AI could be used for good or for harm, so can what we do in our industry. So, yeah, I mean, sure, it's propaganda, but it's, it's in the right hands. It actually can be beneficial for us all. No, I agree with that 100%. So, Des, thank you very much. Thank you for your time today. It's been great having you on. Um, it's been very educational. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. Learn more about Seville Productions and our work in the purpose and sponsored entertainment space at www.sevilleproductions.com.